he walks around in this film with one look and one line and and yeah and he's, drooling he's, over godzilla yeah and that's it like his <laughs> his his shtick is that like it doesn't matter i want to see godzilla i want to see godzilla <laughs> Welcome to episode 89 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We are recording on Wednesday, May the 21st, 2014. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today, I can see the tips of his scaly fins poking up out of the water. I think it's tsunami he's causing over there. It's Chad <laughs> Hopkins. How are you, hey, Chad? TJ. I'm doing all right. You know, I think if we combined all the things that you said I am, I'd be a pretty <laughs> grotesque creature. Well, that's funny because the creature I was describing is pretty grotesque looking. Isn't he? <laughs> I guess by this point, yeah. Uh, so, a um, little bit of follow up on our uh, completely off the topic um, of movies uh, topic last week, uh, which is that you have much better internet this week. I do. I am not on a college campus. Yeah, you have 25 megabits per second down and 2 megabits per second up, more than enough for Skype. I have not heard a single glitch since you. Uh, got on, although you are in a pretty, you're not at home and you're not in an environment that you can control. And so you sound really hollow. Yes. It's, it's the room you're in. I, mean, I think our listeners will <laughs> forgive that because they would just rather, they would rather hear your voice than, than not at all. So well, I sure hope they forgive that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a definite improvement. I, and, and I can already tell, I mean, just as far as like packet loss and garbling and stuff like, you know, despite the room that you're in, it sounds much better in, in terms of, of that stuff. That college campus was just terrible for our podcast. Yes, it was. And we won't be recording there anymore. So Ever. that's good. Again, Ever. It's dead to us. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to dive right in here uh, to a rumor that I'm, I think you're probably more excited about than I am, but I don't, I don't dislike the the uh the news uh and that is that alfonso curon uh i always say curon <laughs> however you say that is uh possibly going to direct the harry potter spinoff fantastic beasts and where to find them russ fisher over at slash film reports that, that while there's nothing official yet fans of the film harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban may have a big reason to anticipate the new harry potter spinoff film fantastic beasts and where to find them reports this morning say that alfonso curon Fresh off the triumph of Gravity is ready is readying a return to the Potter franchise. He's reportedly deep in talks to direct the first spinoff film, which is scripted by J.K. Rowling and scheduled for a 2016 release. Discuss. Um, I I'm fine with it. Um, now, now you are uh, Chad, a, a pretty big Harry Potter fan. I would say uh, much more than Joe, who though he liked Harry Potter, just didn't get my um my appreciation for the franchise. You, right. on the other hand, I think have much more appreciation and understand where I'm coming from, and I understand where you're coming from. Although sure. you you kind of joined uh, like like you're you're closer to the fandom, I guess. Or I'm I'm I came into this as an adult. You like grew up with a thing. I did. I started reading these in second grade, and the last one came out when I was in. A sophomore in high school, I yeah. think. Yeah, that's uh, that's a little weird <laughs> for me, <laughs> to me. But uh, I mean, I know you, uh, there are people in the world younger than me, so <laughs> it's weird. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, I, I am not one of the ones. There are many. There are many, many people. I should preface this. There are. I don't know if you're one of them or not, but there are many, many people in this world who think that uh, Alfonso Cuarón's Harry Potter movie, which is The Prisoner of Azkaban is the best of the films, though maybe not the best of the books. I know which book I think is, uh, I know which two books I think are the best, and I'd have a hard time choosing. Um, but, uh, 
the third book is fine, and the third movie is is. Mm, I would say in some ways better than Chris Columbus's uh, contribution with the first two films and certainly better than the one that would follow, which was right. uh, the fourth. But I would say that David Yates, uh, all of David Yates films were better than Alfonso Cuaron's film in the, in the franchise. I don't know if I'd agree with that. Um, the last two for sure. And um, maybe the fifth one, the sixth one I like, but it, it does have some problems in regards to, following the source material. Well, all of them do, of course, but uh, the sixth one, I know a lot of people have that issue, but uh, looking at the Rotten Tomatoes ratings for all these films, I think we have to remember, uh, at least based on everybody else's opinion, uh, Prisoner of Azkaban has the second highest critic approval rating uh, of all the Harry Potter films after Deathly Hallows Part 2. Um, um, which one has the highest? Deathly Hallows Part Two. Okay, you just said this. Sorry, I was I was trying to get ready to ask the question. I missed that until all right. as, as, as it was coming out of my mouth. I think I think he just answered that. <laughs> Such a good listener. Um, so so but you but you're a fan of Alfonso Cuarón's uh, Harry Potter vision. I mean, it was the first one to really stray because Chris Columbus did follow the books pretty. Strictly, pretty strictly, um, almost workmanlike. If, if, right. there's a, if there's a complaint I have with Chris Columbus, not that I think his films are that bad, but I just right. think that he it was a little too much. Like, oh, let's let's strictly adapt this book to the to the screen as best we can, instead of saying, you know, this story was written for a book, and we need to be faithful to the book. Obviously, as a fan of the books, please be faithful to the heart of the books. But it's not going to work on screen that way. Let's 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 make it work better on screen. And he, I don't feel like he did that ever anywhere. Right. And uh, and Alfonso Cuaron certainly did. In fact, the way that he adapted the, the core of the story and the, uh, I have some quibbles with with what he did with with, uh, you know, like the school robes and stuff just really irritating. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but beyond that, like the way he adapted the overall story and in and, and, and the time travel changed because it was easier to comprehend in the movie the way he did it. And that was fine. I was totally fine with it. Right. So uh, the only real thing that i missed from the third film was the marauders the what now the marauders the story of harry's parent his father like the marauders yeah i i see what you mean because i was gonna say the marauder what are you talking about the marauders map is there <laughs> um no like the story of the map and we we don't really learn anything about james or anything true. like that I mean, and, and those are the sorts of things you have to forgive in a movie because there's just not time to elaborate on so many of the things that the books did elaborate on. And that's right. That's the sort of thing where I say to people, you got to go read the book. Come on. Yeah, well, I agree to a point, but we, I th still think it would have been just as important for film audiences to realize that the Marauder's Map is passed down from Harry's father. Yeah, I think that would have been good. And I think it because it was very pertinent to the story, you're right. As I think back about it, it has been a while since I've seen this film. As I think back about it, I think that is one of my kind of complaints is like, well, I mean, we really didn't get the backstory we needed for these characters to make sense and for Sirius to make sense and not as much as, as it could have. And I really didn't like the scene. I, I really loved the scene uh, where Snape bursts in in the book, and I didn't like it as much in the movie. Um, at, at the very toward the end, you, you know which one I'm talking about in the Shrieking Shack. Yes. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like they they missed kind of some of the nuances going on there, and just you know they captured it a little bit. I mean, because um, you know the, the actor who played Snape is a is a terrific actor, and so he was able to capture it a little. But I feel like the script didn't really capture the essence of what was going on there, which was this was a schoolboy grudge gone awry, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anywho, we're, we're kind of straying off of the topic of uh, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. 
I, I I think this will probably turn out well if if this is true. I find it a bit hard to believe that he just got done doing Gravity, like great, great movie. Complete. I mean, just this like, and and, and it feels like I don't want to I don't want to say that the Harry Potter series is not great because I love it. Although again, big fan of the books, less fan of the movies. Um, but it just feels like a step in a weird direction for his next career move to me. I I, I don't know what I, I don't think you agree with me on this. What do you think? I understand that view because for any director, any other director, I would say that is a really weird step. But I know that I've seen news over the past few years uh, before the Harry Potter films were uh, finished releasing. David or Alfonso Cuarón has always expressed interest in returning to Harry Potter. Um, I I had seen that multiple times over the years. And it's just I don't know what his attachment is to it. Um, but there's some, he's got some sort of soft spot in his heart for Harry Potter. And I know he was interested in returning for the Harry Potter series. He didn't do that. It just seems to make sense that he would jump into this sort of universe, which, uh, does almost seem a little bit more fitting. I don't know if this is going to be a darker sort of film or if it's going to be a little lighter. Um, but I think he could do both. And he easily could do both. Um, certainly for some of the things we saw in gravity were very dark, uh, just, you know, um, just the (laughs) entire concept of, you know, there's only, well, I don't want to spoil it, but, um, in in case somebody's listening to this, like, I haven't seen gravity yet. Um, (laughs) I won't spoil it, but yeah, it can be kind of dark, you know, and kind of the things that happen. Um, but, but yeah, it's just, um, it, it does to me though, still feel like a strange career move. On the other hand, I, I can like, as a Harry Potter fan, I, it wouldn't matter how, like, if I was the best director on earth and not the most highly acclaimed and had these pre- uh, uh, prodigious, you know, films under my belt. Prestigious, not prodigious. Wrong, wrong, wrong word. Wrong big <laughs> word. Um, and, and and but yet, me as a Harry Potter fan, I would always jump at the chance to direct something in the Harry Potter world. And so, if that's where he's coming from, like, if he's a fan of the books or something, I, I could totally see it. You know. Yeah. And the way I see it, if if he is uh, uh, if he's this excited about doing the film, if if it's true that he's just really gung ho to be part of the Harry Potter universe and let him do it, I think it's better to have somebody who's enthusiastic about it than nobody else, uh, nobody at all, or somebody less enthusiastic. Right, and I think that's why Yates was able to overcome a lot of you know other shortcomings he might have as a director is just because he did love the franchise. Ultimately, I've feel like he really missed what the point of the last scene in the last book was, but that's, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I can, I can see it. It just, it just does feel kind of weird. And as not my favorite movie is like, "Eh, okay, sure. And I know a lot of people are just like jumping for joy at the very thought of this. Now this is still rumor. We don't know. Um, my bigger question in all this, I think I've said this before on the podcast. We've talked about this, right? I'm sure uh, we have, because I'm a big Harry Potter fan. I would not have passed up the chance to talk about this. But I, I'll say it again, if I have said it before, that I, I don't understand quite where you can take this story, this Fantastic Beasts, and where to find them. I don't. Yes, we've talked about this. But the fact of the matter is, Fantastic Beasts isn't a story to begin with. It's a textbook. And so... Yes, that's my point exactly. Where Where is this going? What is this? So it was written by somebody, and the film is going to focus on that somebody... And we're going to see him go on his adventures and experience what he's writing the book about. But that's not interesting to me. This is why I have a little bit of fear. 
I, I kind of feel like maybe what's happened is is that you know the Harry Potter, Potter franchise is a huge success. J.K. Rowling, amazing writer, um, and and Warner Brothers is like let's milk this franchise a little more. What do you got for us, J.K. Rowling? And she's kind of full of herself because she's written this wonderful series, and I'm just gonna go write this fantastic beast where to find them. And it's gonna be wonderful. It's gonna be different. It's gonna be light, and, and I'm just concerned. Maybe maybe. I have nothing to worry about, but I'm concerned that she doesn't understand what has made Harry Potter so special to so many of us over the years. Maybe. I don't know. Mm, I'm less concerned about that. Okay. And again, <laughs> I, I, I probably should have a little faith because I've always, I consider her to be one of the best modern writers of our time. Yes. You know, certainly there have been better writers, but um, not a lot, and she's way up there, in my opinion, in just how she's able to craft a story, how she understands story. So I probably, at least it seemed to me, reading the Harry Potter series, like, she really gets story. Like, I, I'm not saying that I could write a story, because I, I don't know that I could, but I, I know good story when I see it, and that's good story. You know, she, the good story, good storytelling. And so right. I probably shouldn't be concerned, but I'm just a little concerned, because I don't understand... <sighs> What what is what what is the draw here with with uh, Newt Scamander? I, I just don't understand. I don't know. I guess we'll just have to find out. <laughs> Which, for those who are not Harry Potter fans, listening to this book, Newt Scamander is the guy who wrote the book in the fictional world of the Harry Potter Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. So we'll see. Uh, to my shame, I have not. I don't. I think. I think my wife, because she's even a bigger Harry Potter fan than I am. I think she has Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I really know nothing about the books. So. I have it. I figured you did. You you may be a, you may be a bigger Harry Potter fan than I am. Just only just, um, just probably by by the fact of your age. Um, oh, you uh, you put something in the uh, show notes I haven't seen yet. Report Alfonso Curon deep in talks about fantastic beasts and This is just another take on that news. Yes, and there's also a poll uh, just on this website's viewers readers. Um, there's a poll. I don't know how many people have participated in it. But uh, is the question is, is Alfonso Cuaron a good or bad choice to direct Fantastic Beasts? And you clicked and good, I'm sure. I did. I'm and of, iffy. Which one do I click? Which one do I click, Chad? Tell me. Tell well, me. 89% have uh, clicked good. So um, I don't know exactly what their reader base is. Um, I know they've grown a lot. It's a, it's a growing website. Um, but 89% of their readers of this article have said that Alfonso Cuaron's a good choice. So... Yeah, I'm going to go with good because I think overall – oh, it wants me to connect with Facebook, Twitter, or Google+. Plus. I'm sorry. Not a chance. Goodbye. <laughs> not going to happen. Uh, yeah. So anyway, um, that the, these links will be in the show notes. If you do want to connect your Facebook or let, you know, let it spam your people, uh, you can vote in this poll too. Um, that will be in the show notes. Uh, show you notes can just click the, cancel. Yeah, that's true. I think I, I think it did vote for me once I click cancel. I don't know. Um and so um, the show notes, by the way, for this episode will be found at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 89. This is our 89th episode. We are so close to number 100. We're getting there. We're getting there. I have these grand ideas for slight reformats of the show, but it, these things take work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, but, you know, in the back of my head, it's like, oh, we get episode 100. Maybe I'll change some stuff up. We'll see. Anyway. Uh, let's move on to the next bit of news because we have just completely plumb more out Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts and, <laughs> and them, and I'm sure that we, we that nobody's listening anymore. Um, so we have here uh, a rumor that uh, perhaps, possibly, uh, there might be a re- release of Blu-rays of an altered original Star Wars trilogy. 
which, which I say, yes, please. And I made a little, <laughs> a funny little meme, which nobody's picked up, but, uh, lost a trilogy. George Lucas did. How embarrassing, how embarrassing. I chuckled when you, I saw it. The reason is because George Lucas has been known to say, uh, okay. So the backstory here is that George Lucas has re-released and re-released and re-released the original trilogy only with alterations every single time. Uh, you know, he changed, not, not only does he add special effects, he changes the story. He, he you know, who shot first, Greedo or Han, you know, <laughs> just stuff like that. And there are other things that I'm not thinking of the, off the top of my head. Cause I, I don't dwell on this, but it just irritates me. And Michael Minkoff was on the show. I don't know. Did you listen to that episode? Which episode? Uh, or were you even, you were on the first part of the episode, weren't you with Michael Minkoff? Uh, when y'all talked about Noah. Noah, yes, I was. Yeah, and so he 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 actually talked about how he he thought that George Lucas just did it because he hates fans and out of spite. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but um, so so the whole the whole thing here is that George Lucas has even said uh when asked about it that the original cuts of the Star Wars trilogy of you know the unaltered um. Uh, theatrical releases do not exist anywhere anymore, which is just stupid. What do you mean doesn't exist anywhere anymore? It, that's, <laughs> that source footage is going to exist somewhere in some vault. You give me a break. <laughs> and, and, Chad, I own the despecialized, a fan, and, and okay, I own all six movies, so I don't feel bad about this, right? I own them on a disc, on a legal disc of some kind. Technically, what I've got is illegal, but I don't care because I don't feel bad about it. Um, I have the despecialized, it's called the despecialized version of the original trilogy, 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 trilogy. And what that is, is their 720p uh, recompiles like a fan re reconstructed the original edits from the 720p material that is available to us. Um, and so I have those digitally. Uh, and so that's what I watch when I watch star Wars so that they're like the original theatrical cuts, but they're in HD and in some places like anywhere that the effects have been cleaned up. Now he, he, the, the specialized editions don't in, don't do the inserts of all the, you know, stuff that, cause if you look at the, like the 2004, um, a DVD release of the original trilogy. It's got, you know, weird stuff inserted in different places with special effects and just craziness. And yeah, I have the Blu-rays from just a couple years ago. It's it's awful. <laughs> it's awful, awful, awful. Okay. Now to the rumor. Um, the rumor is uh, from Linda Gee at bleeding cool. Uh, here's a kind of convoluted rumor for you to chew on as we continue to wait for no news about Star Wars Episode 7. According to an interesting email we've intercepted and which purports to come from within Disney's marketing department, the studio are planning to really... Uh, this must be British. <laughs> she must be British. The studio are? <laughs> That's very British. <laughs> the studio are planning to re-release A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi on DVD slash Blu-ray slash on-demand in their original form without all the things George Lucas changed for the special edition releases back in 2004. By the way, George Lucas started tampering with way before 2004 there was a 97 release in which he had already started tampering anyway um well and, and i comment on this article well i want this really badly and i would buy it in a heartbeat um yet it, it's just uh okay so devin farrachi over at badass digest has <laughs> kind of brought me crashing back down to reality here he says um bleeding cool reports that disney is gearing up to release blu-rays of the original trilogy in the original forms Blah, blah, blah. But there are two problems with this report. The report says that Disney is putting a new hope, putting out a new hope. And since Fox owns distribution rights for that movie, this is unlikely unless Disney plunked down a lot of money to buy them back, which we would have heard about. 
Uh, now, Fox will certainly play ball should Disney want to release a big box set because money. But the, word, <laughs> the wording of this rumor makes me suspicious. Um, and I have to agree with that. That just hmm, something feels weird about that. Yet Disney is quite the machine and can do kind of what they want. So yeah, um, you know, do you want? Do you, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you'd be okay with these, although I don't think you feel as strongly about this as I do. I don't feel as strongly, but yeah, it would be cool to see the original cuts. I don't know if I've seen the original cuts. I my father owns the 1980 something Leonard Moulton interview VHSs. So uh, those might be the original. Those are what I grew up on. I want to say, I, I, and forgive me, uh, John Syracuse, who I'm sure doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, he's a big time podcaster, and I like to listen to his tech podcast, and he loves to talk about Star Wars, and he would know <laughs> if this were true. I think those may be the original uh, edits. I'm not sure. Oh, cool. they're, they're much closer, for sure. Um, and they're VHS, so ugh. Uh, VHS is always <laughs> so nasty. Um and it, well, and they're probably, but they wouldn't be the original edits because they would be four by three. So they would be, were they letterboxed? I don't remember. Or were they full screen? And, and that, that's, you know, that factors into, but as far as the edit, editing, you know, and the cuts of the film, I don't think anything was changed. I could be right. wrong. And they certainly didn't do that as much back in those days. Well, um, cool. Anyway. But yeah, I mean, it, it would be a cool thing to own. Yeah, I, I, I really want this. I want them in full 1080p Blu ray on my 1080p TV. <laughs> um, that's what I want because all I have right now is the 720s and they're not official and you know uh, and now that George Lucas is out of the picture it's certainly much more likely to happen I mean he was the only man on earth who wanted these special editions and we all loved Star Wars the way it was sure so um, oh, there was another bit of, of, uh, of, of news here um, going forward this is back to Linda at Bleeding Cool Going forward and looking at the much bigger, bigger picture, there are more dubious rumors to consider, like Disney potentially phasing out the prequel, tril- prequel trilogy by lump- lumping them in with the Legends non-canon fodder. This has apparently been the subject of gossip near Disney, though it's very possible that just that, gossip amongst the worker bees. Anyway, it would allow for a reboot of sorts with a new sequel with new sequel movies featuring Yoda, Darth Vader, etc. And I say that's just that's just not going to happen. It's, it's, there's too much making the prequels, much as we hate it, the you know part of the canon. So, right, I, I just don't see that happening. Do you? No, I'm yeah. very doubtful. Yeah, I agree. Well, that link is in the show notes if you want to check out more about that, and we can just cross our fingers and hope for uh, despecialized Blu-rays from the source in 1080p glory, original cuts. And here's the thing, Chad. I don't mind if they clean stuff up. I mean, let's face it. The effects of Star Wars were groundbreaking at the time, but they're certainly dated by now. I don't mind if they clean it up. I don't mind if they clean up matte lines. I don't mind if they digitally enhance lightsabers and, you know, make the make the guns, you know, the the, the blasters, right. bolts look better and stuff like that. I don't right. mind Right. It's just when you all. make changes that right. it becomes an issue. Yes, absolutely. And, and when you insert – oh, this is my biggest beef with the 2004 DVDs, which are the ones that I happen to own – is they inserted really terrible CGI. I mean, very obviously <laughs> bad CGI. Like on the Sarlacc? Yes, awful. That's the Stuff worst. Stuff walking I think. around in most Eisley looks so <laughs> fake. I just don't want it. Don't want oh, it. Oh, my, my favorite on the, the Blu ray release. Well, there's two. One, the Ewoks blink now. So that's fun. Um, and uh, at the end of the whole trilogy, the original trilogy, uh, as Darth Vader is tossing Sidious into the pit, spoiler, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, he shouts no again. No! Yeah, it's awful. It's terrible. 
It's terrible. It's terrible. I think I played a clip of that on the podcast once with Joe. It was before your time. I, I have a pretty strong memory of this. No. Terrible, terrible, terrible. <laughs> no, I, I probably listened to that episode. Okay. Well, let's move on to other news that I'm uh, not as excited about at all. And that is the Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice title. So not Batman versus Superman, abbreviated VS period, but Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice is the name of this next uh, Man of Steel movie or whatever it is now. Uh, it sounds I mean, and, and Batman's got first billing here. So is it even a Superman movie? It's just I don't know what this movie is. I don't know. So it is Dawn of Justice League. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, subtle much? <laughs> Not a lot of subtlety there. Dawn of Justice League. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, obviously playing up the announced Justice League follow up. Um, the principal photography starts today in Detroit, Michigan. This was posted today. So this would be May 21st is when principal photography is starting for this film. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'm scrolling down here. Um, Oh, it was in another, we'll, we'll get to it, but somebody actually said on Twitter, I'm going to pronounce this Batman five Superman <laughs> because you <laughs> yeah, know. And, and a little further down on the page, it says, uh, I, but I haven't seen Batman one through four Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's uh, what is going, what is up with DC and, and, and Warner brothers and stuff? It's just terrible. I'm not sure. They just can't compete with Disney and Marvel right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the guys over at Marvel just got to be like popping some popcorn and, you know, <laughs> like, sitting back watching the ride, uh, um, you know, uh, popcorn dot gif. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, it's kind of a French name. Uh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, or it always sounded French to me. Popcorn gif. If I yes. actually there's two popcorn gifs. Um, OK, so one is. Here we go. Why can I not? Uh, Stephen Colbert. Jeez, uh, so horrible. My when my brain decides to kick out of gear, it just kicks out of gear. So that was the one I was thinking of. There's also a different one, but I'll put this in the show notes because I spent so long trying to figure out what I was saying. Um, right here, copy paste, and there we go. Uh, yes. So anyway, uh, you know the the folks at Marvel are there's Dawn of Justice. What the heck? Uh, anyway and i i saw a tweet earlier i don't remember who it was from i can maybe find it while we're talking but uh it said and just announced the new captain america movie will be called captain america ha 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 really yeah no, ha, 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 really <laughs> because it's set for the same weekend release yes yes um so and i really like the link a uh, tweet that you linked to uh which is bvs colon doj could also stand for be an abbreviation for buffy the vampire slayer dawn's office job <laughs> which <laughs> which i would still be more excited for than this and i completely agree and and that sounds terrible <laughs> um anybody who's a fan of buffy the vampire slayer will know that dawn was probably not the most beloved character in the series <laughs> she was fine and she got better i think over the t- course of the series but she's a little whiny Anywho, uh, let's let's move on here to um, the best Twitter responses to Batman Five Superman Dawn of Justice. Um, so uh, let's see. 
uh, Jermaine Lucier at, at Slash Films' response was that Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice four ideas stuffed into overstuffed into one title, so it's probably very fitting for the movie. Yeah. And then, uh, obviously meant to be, in quotes, a conversation had uh, when they were naming this film. Remove the S from Versus. It's cleaner. But isn't that way more confusing? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's see. We saw how much people liked The Amazing Spider-Man 2 being a big ad for the third movie and thought, yeah, that's it. (laughs) Uh, Instead of Dawn of Justice, they could have gone with, we're rushing to catch up. Well, that's the subtext, not the title. Not the subtitle. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let's see. That com- and then the response that comes after Twilight of Truth and before Mid Afternoon of the American American Way. <laughs> uh, let's see. The, here was the tweet. I'm pronouncing this Batman Five Superman. Uh, I'm scrolling down here. There was a couple I wanted to read. I just got to find them. Okay. So somebody says sometimes things are objectively bad. Yeah, here's one that you'll like. Title of new Superman Batman movie could be worse. Could have the words The Phantom and Menace in it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Oh, there was one more I wanted to read. Okay, so I know there was a lot of uh, fervor over Star Trek Into Darkness as a title. I was never one to to really, really be that opposed to it, but there was a lot of... And so somebody here says, it's only been a year and we've already eclipsed Star Trek Into Darkness as an all-time bad title. Is there a Moore's (laughs) Law for titles? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's pretty good. Has anyone mentioned that in Man of Steel, in the Man of Steel sequel, Superman gets second billing? It's true. Batman v Superman yawn of justice. I win. You all can go home now. (laughs) Why not just dawn of the justice league? But I, here's, here's the tweet you talked about, but I haven't seen Batman one through four Superman. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I think that one might be my favorite. Yes. That's pretty good. Somebody says, wait, I thought you guys were talking about a fan film. It's really called Dawn of Justice. (laughs) Uh, Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, coming in September to Lifetime Networks. (laughs) Right. That that was good, too. (laughs) Wasn't that Patton Oswalt who said that? Uh, Was it? Oh, my, it was. Woo, woo, Mr. Mr. Uh, I'm in the Marvel Universe over here, kind of stirring the pot. You may not know. (laughs) He's been in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Yeah, so. <laughs> All right, I'm going to close this tab. I'm sure people are tired of me reading this on the air. Um, just, ah, I, I couldn't agree more, though, with these responses. Terrible, terrible. Um, but while we're here talking about Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, I thought I would link up to Felicia's uh, Felicia Day's blog. Um, and she uh, links to another article that where Man of Steel sequel writer David Goyer calls Marvel She-Hulk a giant green porn star insults geeks. I don't know a lot about She-Hulk, but that just sounds insulting. Just right there. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The guy <laughs> writing for DC Comics, and they don't need the bad press right now, is no. making bad press for them. Yeah. I, did you read through this? This is There's some rough things being said. Um, I did not read through it, no. Where, where are you seeing well, the rough things? Uh, in reference to the uh, makes fun of geeks, insults geeks in the title, um, 
Let's see. But then the hits kept on coming as the conversation turned to a fan favorite DC Comics character. Goyer was asked how he would translate the Johns Johns, a.k.a. Martian Manhunter, to film. As Goyer is one of the people in charge of bringing the DC Universe to live action, this was definitely a topic where his ideas carried weight. In response to being asked about the hero, Goyer asked, How many people in the audience have heard of Martian Manhunter? After hearing some light applause and cheers, he added, How many people that raise their hands have ever been laid? Ooh. Yeah. And then he goes on to... I, I, I may boycott Batman versus Superman. <laughs> yeah, that that was... This, that was the roughest part. Yeah, th- this reminds me of when the uh, Dark Knight cinematographer uh, was bad-mouthing the cinematography in Avengers. And, and, and boy, somebody sure had class there, and somebody didn't. And I know which which side I'm on, but he, he comes out with all these comments. And then so Joss Whedon, obviously, in an interview was asked about it. And Joss Whedon said, well, it's, it's, I'm sad to hear that. I'm, I'm a fan. <laughs> and, and of course he did. Like, yeah, and you're sitting here like, whoa, okay, he's got class and... He doesn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this, this is what this feels like, is they're just taking some more jabs at Marvel again. And it's like, can we not, guys, can we not play nice? There is room enough in the sandbox for both of you. You right. are both, DC and Marvel are both the comic super giants. You don't need to be flinging sand at everybody else or we're all going to leave. Yeah, I mean, and then just going off of that and making fun of uh, Avengers specifically, I, I posted... Uh, Another link from Hyperbole in the show notes. Um, X-Men Days of Future Past director Brian Singer fans the flames of Marvel versus Fox fight. So we've already got uh, versus uh, WB, WB and Marvel. Now we've got Fox and Marvel. He says uh, the Avengers is a mashup of massive single character franchises of incredibly familiar characters and Iron Man. Did I mention Iron Man? Oh, and by the way, Iron Man. So basically he's claiming that the only reason the Avengers was as popular as it was and it made as much money as it did is because of Iron Man. And this and is this is Brian Singer? This is Brian Singer saying Man, this. talk about making me lose respect. That that really frustrates me. And I, again, I was a fan. <laughs> yeah, know? I mean, th- there's more to be said in the article itself. And sure, Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man is probably the most popular character of he's, Certainly he's of the mainstay, this. no doubt. Right, but I, I think it's unfair to attribute all of that to Robert Downey Jr.'s character when you can look at Captain America, the Winter Soldier, $703 million gross so far. And that really feels like a knife in the side, you know, where where Brian Singer, I mean, like, he, he doesn't need to do this. His movie is going to do great. Uh, and this just makes those of us who are fans of all this just a little more like, oh, man, come on. Go, just go, go get a life. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? That's really frustrating. I, uh, that is really frustrating. This whole thing, I, I am so, like, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I hope Marvel doesn't stoop to these tactics because they really don't have to. And yeah. and and I've always had great respect for Marvel and what they're doing, what's going on over there. So I hope they just stay out of this fray and go, you know what, guys, you, you all just keep taking shots at us. And we're just going to be over here, like, you know, <laughs> making a couple hundred million dollars per film, uh, you know, <laughs> a couple billion here and there. I mean, you all just keep taking shots at us. That's fine. Right. And I think the funniest part about Singer's comments, as pointed out in this article, is that uh, X-Men especially is very much the same way, where you have one really popular character. Yes. I, I mean, know. who has funny? two of his own standalone films and none of the others do. Right. <laughs> Nobody else in this franchise has a standalone film. Yeah, that's the difference. 
So I yeah, so, I, I really that frustrates me that, that Brian Singer would would do that and and ugh, that's just irritating. This, yeah, this whole mean, thing, this whole fighting amongst DC and Marvel and Marvel and Marvel and Fox and Marvel and and Marvel <laughs> Studios and 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 just oh man, I just wish it would all go away. Yeah, I mean both of these articles are interesting reads, but uh, th- those are the highlights from each of those. <laughs> well, this all this stuff is in the show notes if you want to read more. Uh, I did not get time to vet that article that Felicia Day linked to. Um, have have you read through it at all? There there may probably and, and they're talking about uh the She Hulk being accused of being a porn star, so there are probably some references in there uh that, that may be a little un unsavory. So just be be forewarned about that. Um whether it is or isn't, I really don't know yet. I'm I plan to read more. I, I really just saw this before I sat down to do the podcast. And and, yep. and truth be told, I don't know a lot about She Hulk. And it's not even the point. Not even the point. Yeah. Um I mean I, I, I can read you the the offending it, there's just some profanity. Yeah, no, let's let's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's kind of the news going on. That uh, you know, it's frustrating. So we should move on. Okay, let's do it. So, Chad, I heard you went and saw a movie th- recently. I did a, see a, a movie about a monster coming up yeah. out of the ocean. The ve- the very one. His name uh, God Godzilla. 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 Yes. Uh, so we're going to talk about Godzilla. Um, I read a review, and uh, oh, by the way, Godzilla Two is already a thing uh, because this movie opened just a couple days ago, May the sixteenth. It uh, had a budget of one hundred sixty million. It opened at ninety three point one million and has made two hundred eleven point two million dollars worldwide. That is sequel money. Yeah. Um, and Rotten Tomatoes says with just enough human drama to anchor the sweeping spectacle of giant monsters smashing everything in sight, Gareth Edwards' Godzilla satisfyingly restores the franchise's fire-breathing glory. Directed, of course, as we just mentioned, by Gareth Edwards, writers Max Bornstein wrote the screenplay, and Dave Callahan uh, wrote the story, or, or was behind the story, um, starring Aaron Taylor-Johnson, uh, Ken Watanabe, Brian Cranston, Elizabeth Olsen, Sally Hawkins, and David Strathern. Uh, music by Alexander Desplat. So, Chad, why don't you tell us what this story proposes to be about from the official synopsis from the studio? Okay. In summer 2014, the world's most revered monster is reborn as Warner Brothers Pictures and Legendary Pictures unleash the epic action-adventure Godzilla. From visionary new director Gareth Edwards comes a powerful story of human courage and reconciliation in the face of titanic forces of nature – when the awe-inspiring Godzilla rises to restore balance as humanity stands defenseless. And that was a studio description if ever I've seen one, but it was the only, <laughs> only one I could really come up with. Um, so so you, you've seen this film, I've seen this film, you're writing your rating in the, in the outline right now, spoiler alert, we'll save that for a little later. <laughs> tell, me, tell me about this film, Chad. Uh, it, was a, it was a film, and um, Godzilla was in it. <laughs> yes, big, and I, big monster. I, I had a good time in the theater. I had a really good time in the theater. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there were points of the film when I certainly had a good time. I I was right there with you know emotionally with with the audience when they cheered. I don't know if they cheered in the same places as I, I would assume most audiences reacted the same way. It was toward the I would say toward the end of the film, and Godzilla uses his hands to pry something open, <laughs> and uh, there's fire involved. Uh, nuclear fire, I might say. Um, yeah, there was a pretty big cheer from the audience, and I, emotionally, I was right there with them. Like, yeah, that that's that's the way to do it. You know, it was just a cool moment. 
It was pretty it was cool. Really- I, I will admit, and and there's a lot. There there is a lot, despite my rating, which we'll get to in a little bit. There there is a lot to like about this film, and even from the get go with the trailers, uh, you know, they were using that kind of 2001 Space Odyssey, really tense uh, kind of music that that with the voices, the vocals. Oh, you, you know, <laughs> I really can't do a satisfying uh, a thing, but but kind of you, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and. Um, and and just from the get go with the trailers, I really thought that there was something to this film, and so I think that kind of helped with my disappointment is that it didn't quite live up to that. I I don't feel like, um, I I've never, and I have to confess that I've never seen a Godzilla film before this. I, have yeah. you? No, I haven't. And uh, I thought we might speak to that just real quick based on the the comment you got on your review. Um, yes, the the the. Uh, credential police were after right, me. That, right. I don't have the credentials <laughs> to review a Godzilla film. And, and, and to that, I would say, uh, Chad, you know what? I either enjoyed or I did not enjoy this film, and that is a valid opinion for me to have, and I will write about that every day of the week without your right. permission to do that. Right. I, I think the same way. I mean, this is first and foremost a film, and this is a film review podcast. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean... Uh, I wish I could say I had seen previous Godzilla films. I didn't. I'm sorry. I'm still going to talk about this one. You bet. Because I think we both, and in fact, I think that's a valid perspective to bring to a film. I, I like to talk to people who haven't seen previous incarnations of a franchise, especially when it's a reboot, and say, well, what do you think? You know, because that's, that's an interesting perspective to get. For instance, when I approach the Star Wars franchise, I'm coming at this as a light, like literally a lifelong fan. I do not remember a time when I did not like Star Trek. So right. there's a part of it where I'm just not going to dislike Star Trek, no matter what they produce, probably, because I'm just like, I don't, I couldn't even tell you why I like Star Trek so much. I just did. And so it's interesting to hear people talk about how much better they like this new reboot of Star Trek when I think, meh, that first movie left a lot to be desired, and the second one, Star Trek in the Darkness, was better. But I find it interesting to get that opinion. And so I think right. we bring that opinion to this franchise, where we're not fans of Godzilla. So. Right. Um, but it needs to be prefaced because, you know, you will have people reacting to, well, you, you know, whatever. So, <laughs> um, you know, uh, so in this film, uh, this is, this is basically, it's not, but th- it's a weird thing. It's like not strictly a reboot. Like, I don't think this would nullify anything that we've ever seen or known about Godzilla before, as far as I no, know. Like it's not, not at all. He just makes an appearance, uh, and, and they reference things that happened previous, you know, that, that may or may not have happened in a previous film, but they reference things about Godzilla that may have happened before. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an interesting way to reboot the series. So he's already a fully, you know, integrated character, you might say. They don't have to develop Godzilla because he's kind of known in the consciousness. Like, I know who Godzilla is, and I've never seen a film. I know exactly who he is. He's a big, you know, fire-breathing monster dragon thing. <laughs> so you know and he, terror, it up just well he, enough for he, me. he stomps around and he's bigger than most buildings and he crushes them all you know right so uh that, that that's what i know about godzilla and that's good enough going into this film um yeah uh, i really really appreciated um you know kind of the vision that gareth edwards brought to this film even if the film didn't ultimately live up to it I appreciated the I really, really liked the way this film opened and the what it promised us. This is by by measure of the way it opened. Um I really liked the idea of the conspiracy theory and the cover up and all that stuff. And Brian Cranston was amazing. You of know? course he was. Of course he was. And, he, and then he wasn't in it anymore. I know, but we're not talking about that just yet. We're talking I know. about things, <laughs> we're talking about things we like. <laughs> uh Brian Cranston was awesome. 
Uh, I thought that uh, Elizabeth Olsen was pretty good. I wish she had been given more to do, but she was pretty good. Um, Ken Watanabe, fine. Uh, yeah. his, my issues with him are not with him. Right. Uh, he, he was fine. Uh, so I don't know. What, I mean, what all, what all do you have to add about things that you liked? Um, let's see. I thought that all the cast did an admiral job, um, which you pretty much mentioned everybody. Uh, the problems that I had with the, the, the people were mostly script related. Absolutely. Um, I thought the monster design across the board, uh, was pretty great. Yeah. There were just a couple of times when I was like, man, really? This is 2014. It feels a little fake, but mostly you're right. I mostly, it was like, wow, this is, this is really good. And, and obviously we've never seen Godzilla done this well because we just haven't had the technology before and any of the other monsters. I mean, I think when you're making something like Godzilla or any other beings that may or may not be in this film, um, there's going to be a point where you just can't make it look 100% real, no matter the technology. That's probably true. And so I think any complaints that we might have as far as in that regard, I mean, that's just the nature of the character of the, of the creature. Um, And so I, I didn't have any issues with that. Um, and the, the biggest issues I have with that are all the screen captures, screen captures or stills from the film we see. They all look pretty awful. Yeah. Uh, uh, like of Godzilla. But uh, I don't know. in the there's, film, there's a couple of stills going around that, that I thought looked pretty great. And I'll, you know, I obviously use them for thumbnails on Movie Bite when I'm talking about the film. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know what you mean. And, and, and I've never been a fan of criticizing CGI by taking a screen capture because you have to evaluate CGI as an in motion element. And if you're, right. drawing, you know, if you noticed it in the context of the story. Right. Um, yeah. So for the most part, I agree. Um, what I really liked too was that it wasn't about the CGI so much. Um, it, it, you know, obviously you had to have good CGI later in the films, especially, but like we don't even see Godzilla until sometime in the middle of the second act, and we barely get to see him then. Right. Um, which, which was just that's I, I just love how much confidence that exudes from the director. Like he, you know, this is a film about Godzilla, and I don't have to show him to you, you know. Right. I really like that. Um, it builds suspense very, very well. And, you know, yes. especially that entire first, the first half of the film, uh, when we're in the nuclear power plant and there's something growing there and we don't know what it is. It may be Godzilla to the uninitiated. I, I didn't know it might have been Godzilla. Me, yes, and, here. And, and then and then that scene comes and then you realize, oh, oh man, what is, what is this? This is not what I saw in the trailers. Right, exactly. And and that that moment was a really great moment and very suspenseful. Right. So you're like when 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 you know things happen and the monster breaks free and you realize it's not Godzilla. I mean, it, I I certainly I thought it was Godzilla up until we saw the full monster. I'm like that's not Godzilla. So we have we have yet to meet Godzilla. This is this is interesting. Right. Very, very suspenseful. Um, and you know, just even even when we saw Godzilla, like our best look at Godzilla over two thirds of the way into the film was just a glimpse as a door is closing, uh, trying to protect people. And he's kind of walking up and walking by and roaring. Right. I mean, right. And, and that was just, I love the suspense of that. I love a film because I'm not like, I'm not like a primarily a monster movie kind of guy. And so I really loved that this film didn't, didn't make it about your typical, Oh, let's just smash them up, crash them up. I mean, there was a little bit of right. that, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't even like Pacific Rim in that way where Pacific Rim has just had whole swaths of the film where it's like, 
let's just take this boat and bash on a monster. Now let's take this thing and beat on a kaiju and, you know, we'll just, now we'll smash him this way and we'll, we'll arm, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do a, you know, double, what, what do they call those things? I don't even know. My dad used to watch WWF or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> um, whatever they call it, you know. The <laughs> anyway, so, you know, even much as I like Pacific Rim, this, this movie didn't even, even go there. And, and I was very happy about that. Yeah, and you know, one of my favorite suspenseful scenes was uh, when they were in Hawaii, and it was very Jurassic Park-esque, you know? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. ha- you have the, the big, thick leaves rattling in the distance, and you, you know there's something out there. You don't know where. You don't know if the humans are going to be okay. They've got this task to do, and you're following them along on that, and then all of a sudden, here it comes. And that that was just another really great, well-done scene, a, a great homage to another great uh, monster film, quote-unquote. I wouldn't call it Jurassic Park a uh, monster film, but it, it has that scene had that same sort of feel. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I did like, um, uh, you know, I, I did like the monsters in this film, uh, which there were, of which there were three. I liked the design of them. I liked spoiler. the execution of them. You think that's a spoiler? Uh, we didn't see any of them in the, the trailer. Not really. Oh, we saw two of them in the trailer. Really? Yeah. Oh, well, Okay. I mean, if you're listening, you know what? If you're listening to this podcast, I mean, you should be prepared for spoilers. This is what we do. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I should have called spoiler alert, I suppose, but yeah. Just whatever. Um, I'm correcting a typo in my review as as we talk here because holy cow, how did I miss this? Ugh. Referred. Oh, I was. Here we go. Uh, anywho, just corrected a, <laughs> corrected a typo. Um, so yeah, the, I, I, I would say I like the Mutos less, the massive unidentified terrestrial organisms, uh, right. than Godzilla, but they were fine. Um, I, I kind of had questions about how they work, in a you know, in any world that purports to be somewhat related to a physical world, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, the casting was great. Um, I, I really like the idea of this cast. Let's put it that way. Um, Elizabeth Olsen, first time I've actually seen her in anything, I think. Um, but she was, she was great. Um, obviously Brian Cranston, amazing, uh, David Strathern, uh, brings his normal, although we didn't get to hear him make that speech. I was so disappointed about that. He had such a great speech in the trailer yeah. and it wasn't in the film at all. Um, so I missed that, but obviously good actor, great actor, Aaron Taylor Johnson. I'm not quite so happy about, um, I, I could have used a better actor. I think I feel like. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Yeah, I didn't think he was given a lot. I mean, there there, that's there the wasn't too. there wasn't a lot of human substance outside of Brian Cranston. That's right. Brian Cranston brought the best human substance. Let, let's go ahead and transition to the things we don't like and into major spoilers. Okay, we're gonna okay. do that right now um, because there's really not a lot more that I have to talk about that I liked. I just liked where this could have gone, and that was it. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So Brian Cranston. Obviously, top top game in this film, and he died before the first act was over. And just yeah. and, and and not only did he die, it was stupid. It's just like here I am, son, da da, gone. <laughs> that uh, pretty well sums it up. I mean, what? Whoa, wait, whoa, what? And and the movie set up this great conspiracy theory that he was going to unravel, and that that didn't go anywhere. I feel like so much of this movie is dangling threads that they hop from one thread to another, to another that don't connect. And, 
and they well, – something weird is happening outside my window here. Um, <laughs> they hop from one thread to another, and these threads don't connect in any way, and so they're kind of like swinging on them like a monkey from, from tree branch to tree branch, finding these new threads of the story. There was a, a particular scene where we left Aaron Taylor Johnson hanging out of the end of a, um, a train, and then uh-huh. the next time we see Aaron Taylor Johnson, he is walking around with the boy that he rescued. What happened? Like, like it's like that we were supposed to come and see how he escaped from this this thing where he was about to die, and and it just sort of never. We just like, oh, that just never happened. We're just gonna pretend it didn't happen. That that's like I've never seen such a huge editing mistake before in a mainstream movie. Like, what the heck? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that speaks to the whole. I don't think they had a story to tell here. I don't think they had a story to tell. No, I mean they they tried the whole sort of distant father thing. You know, the, the typical Steven Spielberg, right? Yes, uh, which is I, I've heard that from other people. I don't know if I would have come up with that on my own. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> but that the, too. The, the, the typical Steven Spielberg distant father. Um, I mean, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it just doesn't get the payoff that we wish it did. Yeah, nothing in this film has a payoff that we wish it did. You've got Ken Watanabe, like he walks around in this film with one look and one line, and and yeah, and he's, drooling he's, over Godzilla. Yeah, and that's it. Like his <laughs> his his shtick is that like it doesn't matter. I want to see Godzilla. I want to see Godzilla, and <laughs> and uh, and uh, that's it. And like he has one important line in the film that could have been said by anybody. Um, you know that maybe man can't really influence anything that's happening in nature. Essentially. And that's it. And like the rest of the time, he walks around with this like half dazed, half excited, half confused look. Like, what is happening here? I don't even know, but I'm really, you know, into it. Right. And it's just like, come on, could you not have written something better for this guy to do? He's a good actor. Let him do something. And I felt that way about all the actors. Uh, yeah, the entire cast list. That's basically my entire dislike is you have this. A-list cast of actors, and you don't do anything with him. Let's talk about David Strathern. Why was yeah. he in this movie? He's a great actor, a great actor, <laughs> and he had nothing to nothing do. Nothing at all. Not no. a thing. His only role was uh, trying to nuke and make these monsters more powerful. Like That, that <laughs> was his source of conflict. Right. It's like you, you've got Ken Watanabe over here going, I wouldn't do that. And you got Brian, you got uh, David Strathern over here going, why not? Well, because <laughs> these guys live on nuclear power. It doesn't matter. I've got to do something. We're going to nuke them. Oh, wait. No, we're not going to nuke them because they just ate my nuke. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I mean, and that's it. That, that's like, the, that is, that is, ever, that is all that they ever do. And, and then let them fight. That's yeah. it. And the only two people in this film who make any difference to the plot at all and only just a little is Brian Cranston's Joe Brody and Aaron Taylor Johnson's Ford Brody. Elizabeth yes. Olsen, she wanders around in the house. She wanders around in the hospital, and then she goes and wanders around and, and finds a place, safe, sort of safe place to be, and then she, she, she kisses her husband, her and she cries into the phone, and she's, like, supposed to be the emotional connection to Aaron Taylor Johnson's character, Ford Brody. Uh, but he's, like, not emotional at all. It's like he's... He's ticking off checklist items that he should hit as an actor. Like, okay, now we're here in this part of the plot. Let me say this line. Now we're here in this part of the plot. And (laughs) and there's like no emotional connection at all. I I just don't understand. The human story here is pretty bad. Yeah. And I I, want to say like, I think that's probably intentional. It's just, but it's still a poor choice. 
I think that what the message they're trying to send is we really have no control over anything, and that's why these characters have no control over anything. Right. It just makes for a really bad human interest story. I mean, and no story is good, you know, to us humans without human. Like we're not we're not Godzilla watching this thing. You know, if I were Godzilla, yeah. I would have been cheering. You know, it's like. <laughs> Uh, again spoiler alert i won (laughs) yay Uh, but i'm not godzilla i want to see the human interest Uh i mean and they had they actually had the skeleton of a story here chad um they you know i really liked how yes sir godzilla he could destroy things and he you know he stomps around a little bit and i'm sure he caused like a fair amount of damage himself in fighting these things but he's not the evil enemy here he's here to save the day and i liked that twist it's just they didn't this didn't do anything with it. <laughs> I'm apoplectic here, Chad. <laughs> I, I couldn't tell. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. I actually, let me see if I said it any better uh, in my review. I said, here's a list of characters who had almost nothing to do in this film. Right. Uh, Dr. Ishiro Shirozawa, uh, played by Ken Watanabe. He studied one of the creatures as if it fed on an one of the creatures as it fed on an overload rea- nuclear reactor for years. Never mind that he never considered the implications of this enormous creature absorbing that much energy. His only purpose in this film is to disseminate a nugget of information, to plant an idea. He says that it is only the arrogance of man that would assume we are in control of nature when it is in fact the other way around. And then he later says we should let Godzilla and the Mutos just duke it out and let nature take care of itself. Lame. <laughs> Joe Brody, Brian Cranston. The film starts with him and his wife, and it seems like he's the primary cast member. We build an emotional investment in him and his wife and his life. Exactly. We built such an emotional investment in that. With We weep with him when he loses his wife. He becomes a conspiracy theorist. We know he's right. His son finds out he's right, and then he dies. He just dies. Yeah. 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 Elle Brody, played by Elizabeth Olsen. Her only job is to uh, – mm. what, what did I mean to say here? Doggone And I read through this too. Hope. Is to hope that her husband. Yeah, I think that's what it's supposed to be. Is to hope that her husband. I gotta, I gotta come back and edit this later. Hope that her husband Ford Brody will come and save her. Admiral William Stens, played by David Strather, and his only job is to issue orders to blow stuff up ineffectively. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that's about right. Yeah, I mean, it's just I don't get it. I don't understand. Such a missed, missed opportunity. And like I said, bad screenplay. The only uh, only person who made any measurable difference early was Ford Brody. Even even Brian Cranston didn't make that much difference and and no and and here's the thing like joe brody he was wherever the script wanted him to be whenever it needed him to be there that he was just sort of there um and and i just always hate that like he happened to be wherever the monsters were all the time no (laughs) why i just don't understand i just don't understand um oh i forgot to mention one of my likes because it's over here orphaned in my uh note uh, I did like the the way that the virtual camera would stay where a physical camera would be. Like you didn't get these these swooping, you know, big sky shots. Like the the camera was always where a physical camera would have to be. I did like that. It was kind of grounded that way. I meant to say right. that earlier, so I'm just throwing it in now. <laughs> and it really sort of helped to show even more of the size yeah. of Godzilla. I did also like how Godzilla, he just sort of comes in. He's like, he's kind of almost disinterested. Like, yeah, here I am. I'm going to have to take care of these, uh, these <laughs> nasty things. And I'm, I'm a little too old for this, you know, garbage. And then he just sort of walks off. Like, call me when there's a sequel boys. <laughs> I did like that. That was fun. Uh, yeah. 
Wow, I, I really, really. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm flirting with going down to two and a half stars because the more I no. think about this, the more I think, of, I, I think three is is acceptable, and I'm at three, three out of five stars. Let's just talk about how awesome the monster fights were. Yes, when we finally got to them, um, the, uh, I, I have to talk first about this fire breathing thing. I know that Godzilla <laughs> has traditionally breathed fire, but when he didn't, for two thirds of the fight. He didn't breathe any fire, and these guys were, were were he was about to die, and he's taking a beating from these other monsters, right? Mm-hmm. Where was his fire? And then all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, he's like, "Oh, I better breathe some fire." <laughs> just come <laughs> on, what you mean to tell me he's sitting here just about to die? You know, they're just about to kill him, and he's not. He's losing the fight, and he hasn't brought this massive weapon out before now. I I, I mean. <sighs> I don't have any sort of explanation. I just know it was, I don't think there is a logical explanation for it. TG. I think it's just delayed fan gratification. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I just, and, and when that moment, when that moment came, I was so happy. It was fun. I, I, <laughs> I, I cheered with the audience or I don't, I don't cheer, but I would have, I, I felt like cheering with the audience. <laughs> I lightly <laughs> pretended to clap. Right, he's like, I'm a Presbyterian. I don't. Uh, uh, I'm too dignified for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I did. And I have to, you know, like I said, even though I thought it was stupid as a plot device, like he would have brought that fire out long before then. I, I did love it, um, and and I really liked how. And I knew Godzilla wasn't dead. Come on, I mean, even though he just sort of, of collapsed there, um, and then I really loved how he just sort of appears. You know, cranks open that thing's mouth and just wastes him. Just, <laughs> it was that, great. Yeah, that, that was the coolest monster death ever. <laughs> although, you, although again, even that was like, okay, don't, don't think about this too hard. This this monster has been ingesting nukes, but he can't take a little bit of fire breathed down his throat by Godzilla. I mean, mm, I don't know. Eh. It's a little weird. Eh. Uh, not so fireproof on the inside. I guess not. I did love how they're just sort of munching on these nuclear warheads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I would say my disappointment with this film was high. I was one, I was expecting to come walk into a four-star movie, I think. I don't know. If I had gone into this movie for the human characters, I think I would have been more disappointed. I mean, I wish there had been more Brian Cranston. Don't get me wrong. But I came into the theater because I wanted to see Godzilla and the Godzilla parts of the movie I really enjoyed. Yeah. So, I mean, I've mentioned my dislikes, really. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of out of dislikes. I mean, I I wish that Alexander Desplat's score had been featured a little bit better because it's a fantastic score. And if you want to, like sit and listen to music for 45 minutes and feel awesome you should listen to it yeah and it's one it was one of those scores where i didn't notice it too much in the theater so i'll have to come back to it yeah i've seen some complaints about how it was mixed pretty poorly into the film yeah um i I didn't notice that so much because i had been listening to the music and so when i wanted to hear it i pulled it out and especially the track godzilla's victory which happens exactly when you'd expect it to (laughs) yes that's one of the coolest like uh, audio cues of that film and th- they did a good job with that but you don't get to hear enough of the music in the movie and so if you do get the time to sit and listen to it tj it, it'll just make you feel awesome for 45 minutes i'll see if i can uh I'll see if i can do that i yeah. i have a harder time going back to scores of films i didn't like so much 
And uh, it's not – again, it's like I wouldn't never see this film again. Obviously, a three out of five is a, a slightly positive on the scale, but it's just frustrating. It's like, man, yeah. it, there was so much potential here. So much. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and mention my star rating. Then I got I gave it a three and a half out of five. Um, it's it's because of the humans that I took away. But if I just gave the Godzilla monster fights, like if you took those fifteen minutes or <laughs> however long it was of just monster fighting, and I reviewed it, it'd be like four and or five, four and a half stars because it was just awesome. Yeah. So I noted that. Um, uh, Mikey gave it three and a half out of five, and he was giving me a hard time. Uh, for my, for my review and stuff. So he, Mikey you guys are just not... gives you a hard time, though. <laughs> oh no, really? No, come on! I did not. I had no idea. He's, what was it? He's like he's like uh, Godzilla breathed fire and it confused me. T.J. Draper, 2014. I'm like that is not what I said. That is not what I said. I said that the fact that Godzilla didn't breathe fire confused me. I believe that was more along the lines of what I was saying. <laughs> Uh, Mikey, Mikey. I, just like I invited him. I'm, I invited him to come onto the podcast and give me a hard time over the air, on the air, you know, over the microphone, and he refused. Uh, well, truth be told, he was going to be out of town, or he would have been happy to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mikey. Yeah. Well, anywho, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, everybody else loved this film. The critics are loving it. The, the, in fact, it's it. it the only critics I've heard pan this film, and I know there are a few because it's seventy four percent. So you know, obviously, the other percentage um, uh, did not like this film. Fourteen percent is that right? Uh, no, twenty four percent. I'm so bad at math. Seventy six. There you go. I'm so bad at math. Twenty six percent didn't like it, but but like um, they they panned it kind of on the slash film cast, and and I pretty much agreed with them mostly. Um, yeah, it's 7.4 on IMDb out of 10 and 74% from the critics, 76% from the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. So we're we're kind of a little bit in the minority on this, Chad, I think. Uh my I mean, we're not too far off. I mean, if if you normalize yours it would be at 60, I'd be at 70, so Well, I guess what I mean by that, it's it's a little it's a little more nuanced than that. Like cuz it's either a thumbs up or a thumbs down and then they well, tally sure. the percentage of people who give thumbs up and they tally the percentage of people who give thumbs down. So 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 seventy four percent of the critics liked the film, and I would say, mm, yeah, probably would <laughs> probably wouldn't recommend seeing this in the theater. Wait for the Blu ray. Um, yeah. So that that uh, disappointing, disappointing. Yeah. Yep. But awesome. So. <laughs> so you would probably recommend your friends to see it. In the I would. I mean, most people. I, I say this with a, a a sad sad face. Most people just go for the monster. Yeah, I suppose that's like, true. Exclusively. And that's why it's getting complaints that there wasn't enough monster. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I guess well, I guess from my perspective I don't understand why so many people like it cuz you would think that people are either like me and want the story or they're like, <laughs> you know, your average red-blooded American and they want the monster. Monster, monster. <laughs> and I feel like this film didn't deliver either very well. Yeah. Oh well. It happens. Yeah. It is what it is. Well, I am excited about next week, though, Chad. Yes. Have Have you watched any of the X Men films yet? No, I, I've, I've still seen the first. I've seen the first one. Okay, so you've watched the first one. And I will watch the others before I see Days of Future Past. Okay. Well, I mean, you've got like days. Like, I know. Like, let's see. We're at Wednesday. The film comes out this weekend. You've got like two days, Chad. Two days. I've only got three movies to watch. Well, not really. Let's see. 
Yeah, I've got X2, X3, and... Uh, There's uh, like three more. I've seen the Wolverines. Oh, okay, that's true. You have seen the Wolverines. So then you've got... Um, I guess you do only have one more then. First class. First class, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, all right. Okay. Be prepared. I'm, I know to, where I'm at. Be prepared that you'll need to rein yourself in from wanting to do murder after you've seen the third one. <laughs> I, I've been told. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. So next week is X-Men Days of Future Past. I am super excited despite the idiocy that Brian Singer is spilling and spewing all over about the Marvel. I just, ugh, I won't go back to that. Yeah. I'm excited about X-Men Days of Future Past. I'm, I'm really hopeful. I like what I've, I've liked what I've been seeing about this film, uh, you know, in the trailers and in the clips and, and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah. I've been excited since before I saw any of the X-Men movies. So weird. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, I don't remember. I think you did tell me before that you, you've seen the first one, did, but did you like it? I thought it was okay. I'm expecting to like the second one more. Second one is my favorite of all the X-Men movies. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I'm expecting that of myself as well. Um, I just need to get around to it. Yeah. And I will. Yeah, you will need to keep a couple of tissues handy for that second film toward the end. Okay. Yeah. Very, uh, very oniony. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, so Chad, um, people, they after they have heard this review now, they will want to follow you because your opinions are just top notch, man. So yeah, they are. Um, so where will people be able to do that at? Well, you can find my movie site at chadlikesmovies.com you can find me on facebook at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins and then on twitter.com at twitter.com slash chadada c-h-a-d-a-d-a-d-a right and i hang out on twitter all the time if you want to follow me there i post i i usually post something every every day usually multiple times a day i am tj draper pro on twitter you may follow me there um, you can also catch up with my writing, my reviews, my news clips, and my little opinions throughout the week, and of course this podcast and all that other stuff at uh, moviebyte.com. You can find show notes for this episode at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash 89, because this is our 89th episode. We're getting very close to that 100 mark. Um, if you have time, go by the iTunes store and give us a rating and a review. We would really love for you to do that. Um, really helps us when you give us five-star rating and give us a positive review in the uh, iTunes podcast directory. That would be wonderful. And uh, so, yeah, next, look forward to X-Men Days of Future Past next week. Um, I'm actually trying to check right now because I mentioned that I would do this um, on the last podcast. I'm, I'm trying to check and see if there's any new reviews and ratings. I don't. I, I checked earlier in the week and didn't see any. I'm trying to refresh ComicCast right now, and it's taking its sweet time. Uh, before we sign off, I just wanted to see if there was any, and it's almost there. The little green bar, there it is all the way across. No new reviews, no new star ratings. What's wrong with you people? Uh, anyway, uh. so I'm not feeling the love. <laughs> anyway, we, we are a 4.75 star rated podcast though. Overall 4.75. That's quality. That is quality stuff right there. Actually, one of these reviews is by you before you were the, uh, one of the hosts. It is because I was trying to win a TV. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Um, anyway, so we're gonna go ahead and sign off, and uh, we're looking. I'm looking forward to seeing X Men Days of Future Past this weekend. So look forward to that, and uh, we'll see you all next week. See you, Chad. Yeah.